Hey, welcome to the Comparing Notes podcast. My name is Andy Wolf, and I'm here with my uh, co-hosts, Glenn and Ryan. And uh, we always start out our time together getting to know us a little bit and uh, kind of highlighting our generational differences because we are three pastors from three different generations uh, talking over life and ministry. And uh, so I just wanted to throw out a question to you guys and uh, see if you can kind of give me a, a, a idea or an answer, an event that uh, pops up for you. And uh, I want to ask you, what's one political event, doesn't necessarily have to be an election, but a political event that you can think of uh, that affected or you or the people around you while in your time in ministry? Well, I'm, again, generationally, I don't know where this is going, except you might not have been born when this happened. But in the early 90s, um, I forget which presidential election it was, but David Duke, remember that name, uh, uh, was associated no with clue. Ku Klux Klan, uh, yep. white supremacy there in Louisiana. And, uh, and I had just showed up in New Orleans with the Evangelical Free Church of America to uh, just to spearhead some sort of ministry there. And, uh, and somehow his name got associated with the EFCA. Wow. And that was not, that, there was no association there. And that would be one of the last associations we would have. Uh, and so I had to combat that a bit. And, uh, and it wasn't terrible. It was, it was easily to get, but, but it certainly caught me off guard. And, uh, uh, and that was right in a, in a pretty uh, heated political time. So uh, that's one for me. Yeah, there, there's a great history podcast that tells a little bit more about his ascendancy and kind of where what he did. I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's worth taking a look at and kind of understanding a little bit more um, of that history, not only for New Orleans, but I think a, a socioeconomic and political history for the South. Yeah. Ryan, how about for you? Okay. Just keep in mind, I'm the youngest here because you guys are going to chuckle at, at what I'm about to say. Uh, it is when Obama was in office and we, or was being, I, I believe it was his first or second election. Um, our church had had some uh, disagreements on how to handle racial reconciliation type things. And it was around the Obama administration or him coming into office. Uh, so that is, yeah, the first, the first major uh, political event as it relates to ministry. Mm. Well, I, I was thinking of one maybe a little bit different. Um, I can remember uh, Reagan's presidency and the importance of it, but I was ministering uh, just a few miles away from the Reagan Presidential Library when he passed away. And so kind of watching the procession of his funeral procession come into California, go up the freeway and then turn and actually go up a street uh, just within maybe a mile or two of where we were ministering um, and kind of how everybody, uh, especially in the churches that I think most of us were in that tend towards the conservative side, um, revered him and and kind of looked towards him. And uh, so that was just one of those moments that kind of is fixed in my mind. Um, connected both with uh, politics and ministry. I bring that up because the, what I want to talk about a little bit today is uh, kind of the pastor and politics. Now, we're going to mix two things that they always say you're not supposed to talk about, right? You're not supposed <laughs> to talk about religion, and you're not supposed to talk about politics. But here we are. We're, we're going to get ourselves in some hot water somehow, I'm sure. Um, and we're going to talk about both of those things today. And so uh, I, I want to ask you guys, uh, when you guys think about uh, the preacher and politics. Um, how do you see those two interacting? What, 
Are they separate? Should they be combined? How, how do those two things play together? And I'm thinking specifically about pulpit type ministry. I struggle with the expectation that congregant members place upon their pastor to speak into authoritatively every pastor, every political situation, and they and the idea that he has to have a um, well-informed opinion. At the same time, I struggle when pastors have an opinion and share it from the pulpit on every political uh, situation, and it is very clear where the pastor falls. So those are the two things that I just kind of hold in opposition to each other. Yeah, boy, this is uh, this is an interesting one, Andy. And uh, uh, I'm a I'm a political junkie. I love politics, uh, national politics, church politics, any kind of politics, because I enjoy. I because I'm a I like to think I'm a student of human behavior, and uh, and we have. Uh, and so politics is is you know there's a lot of ways of looking at it. To me, it's 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 politics is is relationships and wanting to get something done. Um, I, I kind of define politics as policy plus power. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking at what, what policies do I think would be best for our, my family, my church, uh, my community, uh, and, and, my, and my nation. And, and so then who, who do I want to give power to to be able to employ those policies to be able to set up Either you know my family or the church or or the or the country in the best place possible, and then I try to have in mind, and this is for my kids or for my my grandkids' generation, and uh, and so I have a lot of opinions on what policies I think would be best, and and obviously whether it's you know at any of those levels I've mentioned, my whether it's my the congregation or or my the city that I live in, the state or or the nation. Um, I'm going to have opinions as to who I want to give power to to be able to employ those policies that I think are going to put uh, myself, my congregation, my my family, and so forth in in the best stead. So that's so I break it down to to that. So policies are what's important, and where do I want where do I derive those policies? I'd like to think it comes from a biblical worldview, and uh, and so when it comes to then politics in in ministry, it's like well let's. Let's get to the word. Let's get into the word. Let's study the Bible. Let's get to know God. Uh, let's get to know the human condition and figure out, you know, how can we best, uh, how can we best uh, advise people to be able to uh, to to give weight to the policies that we think will be for the the most the most good for our neighbors. I'll leave it at that. Obviously, you can tell I could probably go on. Yeah, I mean, I guess I struggle a little bit to try to figure out what the balance is. I mean, all of us have kind of hinted at the idea, at least a little bit, that um, a a pastor that is consumed with and seems to always have a political opinion or spouts a political opinion from the pulpit is probably more than we feel comfortable with. Um, And then on the other side, I, I tend to think if we're really seeking to understand a biblical worldview, um, there are going to be some things that are going to touch into the world of politics that we're going to speak to. Um, and they may not be red or blue, um, but they're going to speak to some of those issues. And uh, and so to be completely politically silent, 
I think at times maybe even to be unbiblical in the way that we're going to approach something. Um, you know, if you want to take it at an extreme example, you can go to somebody like Diedrich Bonhoeffer and, uh, and the ability for him to speak uh, against some of the inequities, or you can think even of the civil rights movement um, and his willingness of leaders like King to, to step into some of those issues. Um, and so I think it's a real struggle to try to figure out how does that, how does that fit together um, especially from a place where you have a prophetic and, and an influential voice in the people and the congregants that you have. Okay, so I'm the youngest, which means I get the opportunity to just pull the young and dumb card. So <laughs> I'm going to step into some hot water here. I'm just going to drag you guys with me. Um, so Andy, with that, with, with your thought of like, yes, we, we have a biblical worldview, so we inform individuals based and, and that, that informs how they should vote and politically participate. One of the things that I've seen in the church culture is that the church is as just of, as, is, is just as divided as the culture is. Recently, one of the discussions that we had going through our church was critical race theory and I'm not going to discuss the details of that, but one of the things that I pointed out was that you have well-meaning, biblically informed, influential Christians with podcasts and blogs and websites and followers on both sides of those. And they they have to blow each other apart, and they're both opening up the same word of God to say you have to do this or that. You have well-meaning, biblically informed Christians that are both Democrat and that are both Republican and ha- and are approaching life with the same way of how can you be a Christian and vote against blank? And I, one of the things I struggle with, Andy said this on, I think it was a previous podcast. Um, we all come from con- the conservative side of things and it can be very easy for us to say every well-meaning Christian will vote Republican. So does that mean that we are calling into question the, the the validity of their of any democrat any christian that votes democrat's faith and then even it's this idea and here in nashville if i could just continue i i'm a part of this uh, i i know some pastors in the area and some of them have lost their one of them has lost their job because he was too liberal for the church and they said, you're done because you aren't telling people that you have to vote Republican. So like when we have this balance of this is how you have to vote based upon the word of God, we have both of those on both sides of the table. So how do we reconcile that? Like I said, I'm young and dumb. So I, I dragged you guys into it. You can just blame me. <laughs> Andy? Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know that it's an easy balance to find. Um I think you're going to end up upsetting both sides at some point. I mean, I'll just throw two issues on the table, and I think I think I can illustrate that point. Um, I think we can look at God's word, and we can clearly show that abortion is wrong, that life begins at conception, um, and that abortion is a is an evil and should be something that's stopped. Um, I think we can also show that God has a deep care for and even has many laws when I look at the Old Testament and even into the New Testament of how we care for the poor. Now, those are two different issues. One that is is a 
hot button issue for the the more conservative among us and one that's a hot button issue for those that are uh, on the liberal side of it. Um, and I, I think we have to be faithful to God's word to point both of those things out and seek to bring people back to two things. One, having a discussion, which I think in our current culture is a very difficult thing to do because we tend to uh, demonize the, the other side. And so we don't have a discussion about things. And so we can say, hey, we are united around Christ. Let's, let's have a discussion about these things, but then have a basis of that discussion around God's word. What does it have to say? And, and how are we going to understand those things? Um, that's not going to solve every problem. It's not going to bring everybody to peace. It's not going to bring them all to vote the same way. But at least, at least it's an opportunity to have some of those discussions. Yeah, I think that's the construct to have. It is King Jesus that that we have given our allegiance to. And so we, we are followers of him. He has commissioned us to make disciples who would who would follow him, know his commands, and obey them. And so it's a discipleship issue that we're that really that we're called to that we're about here that that uh, uh, goes beyond anything else. And so the challenge that we have in, in in ministry is how can we how can we disciple our the people within our influence to be able to give good solid biblical attention to these very important issues. And uh, and and then to let them re- realize that it's their responsibility within their own conscience to be able to, to, to vote or advocate for the way they are in each of those situations. Um, I don't want to try to, to go beyond your, what God is teaching you and what, what is bearing on your conscience, Andy, and have you speak against that. But I would like to help inform what you're thinking about and how you're coming to that decision that you're making. But, uh, but that's where I just have to, to pull off and, and say that's, that's between you and the Lord at that point. But have you thought about this? Can I ask the, the question to you two? When, when, election, when major elections come up and maybe even local elections as well, do you tell your congregations who you're voting for? And, and, it, and also, do you advocate for pastors to do that? No, no. I mean, I, I would say it, it was an interesting contrast between being in California and Alabama. When I first came here, I had people approach me, A, to put a voter guide or as a candidate to come and to give them opportunity in the service. And my, my answer to that from any side has always been no, um, because I, I don't want to as Glenn said, stop the conversation and stop the ability for somebody to uh, to be able to work through that and think through that in, because their first allegiance and our first unity has to be around King Jesus. I've had, during the last election, there, there were a couple of churches that were totally silent and, and congregation members rose up and, and really wanted their pastors to say something. Uh, give us a construct like we've been talking about, or whatever. Just help us to think that through. But but they it was so polarized. They didn't the, the, the pastors didn't even want to touch it. On the other end, and on the other side, there were those that did speak into it. And of course, you had kind of rise up that that uh, 
they didn't care for that because they, he wasn't going in the way that, uh, that they I would have hoped that he would. Um, yeah, I would say just give him a construct, help him to think through, think through biblically, but then help them to realize it's, you know, it's, it's, it's your, it's your followership of Jesus and you're, you're, you're succumbing to him as that King Jesus to do what you think he is. He wants you to do at this time with this vote or with whatever. I mean, I'll bring up another question that I, I think I'd love to hear you guys is, opinion on one of my struggles personally has been expressing my own political opinion um because again being the leader of a congregation being the leader of and someone that has influence i felt like at times if i express my own personal political opinion i will tend to isolate or advocate for uh, someone and so my tendency has has not been to say anything, but that becomes hard in a in a place where things are radicalized or um, people assume that I have certain political bents that I don't necessarily have. And so I I've at least found myself at times just clamming up and not saying anything on one side or the other. And it's not always felt right for me. Um, because I don't know that I always have a spot to express my own political opinion. What do you guys think about that? Oh, I, I, I agree totally. I mean, I, I, I love to talk about politics almost in the way I, I like to talk about sports. Uh, just again, I'm, I'm like a spectator sport. Like I'm, I'm an interested, uh, I'm interested in, in human behavior. I'm interested in just thinking why we make the decisions and what's going on with, with, uh, uh, just with the discussions that are out there, but yet I, I hesitate even to entering into those discussions unless I really know who that person is and, uh, and know that, that they know kind of where I'm coming at and just uh, kind of more open-handed and just wanting to talk about this stuff. But it, it, I'm, it's only, there's not that many people I can do that with and feel comfortable. And I wish there were more that, that could take it as just a, as a discussion point rather than me trying to advocate for something, but more me just trying to learn. I just want to, I want to hear what you have to think about this and bounce off these ideas that I'm thinking. I don't know if I should keep thinking this way or not, but I'm afraid to even talk about it. Like you said, Andy, because they're going to jump to the conclusions that the very fact that I brought it up and even dare talk about it, that they'll, they'll be thinking stuff that isn't true. I, I think that question hits at a, um, even deeper thing. And it kind of is going to bleed into our, the podcast for next week, which is, um, pastor pastoral liberties it's can a pastor have an interest in anything other than church gospel christ things um because like you know as glenn said he he likes to talk about politics and sports uh, there are other things I, I, politics is not a um a, a passion of mine i don't i just I, I haven't followed it closely i have other passions that i feel in the same way when these political um when when the major political scenes come up every four years or what have you that i I'm like, oh man, but can I, can I extend my, if you will, platform as a pastor to include these other discussions? And I have, I carry around those things all the time of like, oh, I'd, I'd love to discuss various subjects and topics that if my congregation knew that I was listening to or reading about or whatever, they would just be, I, I think it's just a part of my life that I don't think I can, I can express fully because a pastor is supposed to be a man of the cloth and about Jesus and Jesus alone. Um, and so I, I do think it can be hard, especially with with politics, 
for you to work out your political opinions, for you to have those conversations, for you to ask the tough questions, for you to press back in some areas and people not immediately assume, oh dear, he sounds like this or that, so he must be this or that. Um, so yeah, I just think there's no... We, we One, we live in such a polarizing black and white world at the moment that there's no room for discussion. We only we live in a mm-hmm. in, in a de- in a declarative world. You can mm-hmm. only declare things. You can't discuss things. But in order to discuss things, you have to be curious enough to possibly hear something that's offensive and work through it. And pastors alone just don't have the freedom to be able to work out their political stuff in that in 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 a in a dangerous. I put this in quotes in a dangerous space. How do you think? Um we become peacemakers in this in this time because I think one of the things that you're pointing out, Ryan, is so important that um, we have a position of influence, we have a voice and a and a pulpit. Um, and how do we be, begin to bring people into that space to have the discussions and work at that spot of a peacemaker? What are some things that you guys have done or seen? I just want to be a lover. And, uh, and just, we talked about humility last podcast, the importance of that. I think just, you know, these are, some of these issues are just huge issues to, to wrestle with. And, and I'm not going to believe that I have even close to, to the right answer, at least the way to, to play it all out. So I just, the, developing relationships with those that you know are, are coming at it from a different perspective, uh, Wanting to humble myself enough to learn from them, to ask questions, to be inquisitive, as, as you've said before, and just to let them know that beyond, beyond this, man, I just love you for who you are. Uh, you just, uh, uh, and, and just if they, they catch that demeanor, um, I think then, then when I do step into a mess, uh, there's, there's a greater relationship there that can, help, that can help clean it up rather than just realize that whatever mess that was, that's the sum of what they think of me. Hopefully they're thinking of me well, well more than just that. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? Uh, the, so the verse from first Corinthians, uh, not first Corinthians, sorry, Colossians three 11, I've quoted more times than I can count um, to people. So there's not Jew, Greek, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And in especially this, the political season that we're coming out of. And as I said, that kind of polarizing, or this or that black and white world, the beauty that we have in Christ, we can have these discussions is our identity is not who we vote for. It's not the which side of any argument we choose. Our identity is in Christ. And the beauty of the church is we're going to have people that look different. So like one of the ways that I've interpreted this, this, this verse as of now, it's that there's no uh, Republican and Democrat, vaxxed or unvaxxed, um, critical race theory and whatever the other one is, it's we are all one in Christ. And we so often raise our 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 faith and, and our salvation to the level of if you don't get this other thing right, then your salvation is in jeopardy. But we as believers can come in and go, we're we're all believers. Our salvation is 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 based upon Christ and Christ alone, full stop. That's it. You could get everything else wrong in life, but if you place your faith in Christ, you are good before God because that is the whole, uh, our, all of our trust and assurance is found in him. 
So we can then enter into these other conversations and agree and disagree and even struggle against these things knowing our greatest concern and our greatest need has been met. But when we enter into those type of conversations and we don't create this, this safety mechanism, we, we don't, we, we actually, we can't have true conversations. We can only throw, throw accusations at each other. So I think as a church, we have the ability to truly create a space where like-minded believers, and what I mean by like-minded is not in all of the other political areas of our life, but like-minded in, in the fact that we approach, that we agree on one thing and one thing only, and it's the most important thing. It's Christ and him crucified. And then we can unpack all of the far more difficult, but at the same time, far less weighty subjects in life. And, and there's just no other space in our world that has that. Because everything else is, you have to agree with me 100% of the time. But here at the church, we can say, no, the, the identity, the, the foundation of the church is that we don't agree on all these other things, except the fact that we agree upon Christ. Yeah, I would hope that people would look at our churches and they would see some unusual nature to that and almost ask the question, what holds these people together? Because it can't be politics. It can't be socioeconomics. It can't be these other things. It's got to be something else. And I'd like to say that for the most part, the churches that, that I'm associated with, it was, it, was, it was a wrestling match. But for the most part, they have navigated that well and kept the, the focus on, on, uh, on what's been, what is the most important. And it's been really uh, gratifying to see that played out. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I would encourage folks to think about and and do is have an opportunity in those conversations um, to also have exposure. I think sometimes we discuss certain things in kind of the the ether, like we're going to discuss an issue or we're going to discuss, you know, uh, how to how to deal with homelessness or how to, you know, take care of a of a drug problem, without really entering into people's world. And I think as, a, as Christians and as people, we have the opportunity to connect um, into those worlds, first and foremost, to show them Christ, um, but then to bring Christ into that world. Man, I, I, it, I have friends that minister and work in homeless shelters, and I've talked to them about their political views and some of their views that have changed since when they started being in there because they want to see this group of people minister too well. And so uh, I think we have an opportunity to, uh, to provide that discussion and exposure um, and begin those political discussions. That's huge. That's very good, Andy. Well, th- guys, this has been a great discussion, and uh, hopefully we've uh, stepped on enough toes and uh, gone in some deep waters that uh, you guys are either, uh, either mad at us or agreeing with us, but uh, hopefully... Uh, It's been a good conversation to think about some of these things and compare notes together. Thank you for listening and uh, hope you'll join us again next time. Thank you for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so by emailing us at comparingnotes at gmail.com.